Welcome to the Conversation of Money podcast. I'm your host, Peter Komalafe, and you've guessed it, this is where we talk about money. And it is my mission to empower you, to help you make the best financial decisions possible. Why? Because money is a tool, life is for living. Let's go. Hey, hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. All right, so a couple of weeks ago, I spoke about Binance and the FCA taking a stance against Binance and essentially uh, telling them that they can no longer provide uh, trading services to UK uh, customers. Now, a few things have happened since then, um, and I want to talk specifically about the banks uh, now blocking people. And this isn't new, by the way. I I wasn't going to talk about this, but I think I need to at least give my two cents because people have been asking me my opinions on this. So here we go. So the banks, Barclays, NatWest and Santander essentially sent text messages to their customers to tell them that they are no longer going to be supporting payments to Binance and they are citing consumer or customer protection as their reason for taking this stance. Now, before I descend into my uh, thoughts of what's going on, and I will try to play devil's advocate here, I'm going to try and see it from the bank side, but I'm also going to see it from a consumer's side as well and give my honest opinion of what's going on right now. But before we get going with that, um, Binance is one of the biggest uh, crypto exchanges out there. Now, when you look at crypto exchanges, I think Binance is probably one of the bigger ones. You have the likes of Coinbase as well. Qcoin are some of the big ones that are out there. But Binance is pretty huge. Now, Binance last week had their fourth birthday party. And I was lucky enough to be asked to host that for them online. It was streamed on Binance.com. I tweeted about it. It was actually a very, very cool uh, experience, really, to be honest, because I got to meet some of the team in Binance and actually got to ask the CEO and founder of Binance a few questions as well. And I'm going to tackle this conversation today with the uh, benefit of having met the guy albeit briefly, and asked him some questions. And I'm going to base my now fresh view based on my interactions with him. I think a lot of the times when you look at um, Bitcoin and cryptocurrency exchanges, it's very, very easy to perhaps look at these people as faceless individuals who are geniuses with big brains, but you never really know who they are. One of the things that that struck me having a chat with CZ was that he is very much a very, very ordinary guy. And the way he described the business, it was very much an organic business that was there, created, not with a sense of, I don't know how to say this. He didn't come across as though he had a massive corporate agenda, almost. In conversation with him, it kind of came across as though, look, we think crypto and Bitcoin and and this ecosystem is going to be absolutely huge. We're just doing our part to ensure that everybody gets to benefit from it. 
And the way I would liken this, or what I would liken it to, I would liken it to Elon. I see Elon of the same vein. His mission is very singular in their purposes, or his missions are singular in their purpose. In that with Tesla, it's all about driving uh, the world towards more sustainable transportation. And I know that's arg that's arguable. I know people will argue and people, anti-Tesla boys will get on my back for saying that, but that's that's Elon's vision. When you think about SpaceX, he he is all about trying to make the human race a multi-planetary species. I see the same with CZ having had a chat with him. He's he he I feel as though he sees himself as a clog in a much, much bigger machine, and he knows the role that he has to play in order for that machine to essentially operate efficiently, and he understands the impact of what that machine can deliver if everybody gets it right. The other thing that really stuck out having a chat with him when he was describing Binance as an organization was that he very much takes the back seat and he allows people with great ideas, with talent, to essentially, I wouldn't say lead the ship 100%, but basically just go for it. The, the way he described it was he he's created an environment for people who are intelligent and have a passion for the crypto space and the ecosystem that they're creating to just thrive. That's how he came across to me. So now with the hindsight of having done some work with Binance for, for two days and being around their team for two days, I wouldn't say I have a very different view of the banks because the banks are the banks. And uh, yeah, I've been in the industry now for 16 years and I'm, and I'm not the biggest fan of the banks. So what I want to do is outline my argument as to why the banks are doing this and also hmm, I'm trying to choose my language here a little bit carefully and forgive me if it slips but why they're such fuckers as well and why they're hiding behind it it's just so hypocritical for them to do this anyway let's let's look about let's let's talk about some of the possible reasons why the banks um, are now legitimately or some of the legitimate reasons I'm trying to get this out I've got a cloud in my head that I'm trying to articulate so bear with me guys I want to have a look at some of the supposed legitimate reasons why they are blocking their customers from sending money to Binance and investing in the crypto ecosystem okay now they are citing first and foremost customer protection they're all about protecting their customers. Okay, now from a corporate point of view, from a from a business point of view, is that a prudent thing to do? Absolutely, it absolutely is. It's an absolutely prudent thing to do to protect your customers and to want the best for your customers. No one's going to argue with that. The problem with that, though, is this. These are the same fuckers who were more than happy to sell PPI, 
who were more than happy to do all of this nonsense over the past two to three decades, ripping people off, you know, sticking people with high interest rates, who essentially took risks that they shouldn't have been taking in the first place. And whilst they were doing all of this, their last thought was customer protection or protecting the customers. And I say this, having been in the industry, having worked for these banks, these are the same fuckers. And I, I'm, I'm, I apologize for the, for the language, guys, but it really knocks me when they are so hypocritical that they want to take that self-righteous... <laughs> oh, my God. Jesus Christ. They want to take this holier-than-thou, we-care-about-our-customers-now approach when these are the same fuckers who have been sticking students with high interest credit cards for years. These are the same guys. And now they're talking about customer protection. Okay. <laughs> All right, mate. We'll believe it when we see it. The proof is in the pudding, really, to be honest. Now, there, there is one legitimate reason why I feel as though they would block payments to places like Binance and so on and so forth. I mean, I'm very, very curious as to why they chose Binance. It would be more of an even playing field if they just simply just banned people from buying any cryptocurrency with any exchange whatsoever. I think they've singled out Binance because the FCA took a stance on Binance a couple of weeks ago, and so they've just followed toe. Now, one of the reasons why they would do this, and this is a legitimate reason, is that just to, just imagine for a moment that you were to transfer money into Binance for whatever reason and Binance were to go bust and you had a matter of recourse for your bank to refund any lost money. Then they would potentially be in the red or holding the bag for, I guess, you investing money with Binance. Now, it won't technically work like that. I'm Maybe I'm maybe I'm clutching at school at, at straws for these guys, really, to be honest. Maybe I'm being a little bit too kind. I think I am, to be honest. There is no reason whatsoever for these idiots to stop anyone from buying cryptocurrencies with Binance, besides their own greedy interests that they're trying to protect. And this is the bit that I guess everybody in the public sphere we'll be, we'll be talking about. And this is the notion that, you know, this is a an old boys club and they are there to protect themselves. Look, let's be real here. I was looking at some numbers and apparently, and I don't know whether these numbers are true or not, but apparently inflows into Binance. When I say inflows, I mean money that literally flooded in. So money that they took from the general public. So money in to their business in June, was it June or May, one of the two months, was $1.4 trillion. Okay, I'm going to repeat that. That's in one month. Inflows, so money into Binance globally, was $1.4 trillion. Okay, now let's really get to the crux of the conversation here. That $1.4 trillion has had to come from somewhere. And I guarantee you right now, it's come from the banks, it's come from the investment houses, it has come from institutions that 
maybe licking their wounds right now because they've seen massive outflows. Outflows being money that have, that has left them. So if it, for a company to have huge inflows, a company or a group of companies have got to have outflows because that's just the way the world works, right? There's only a finite amount of money out there, although there's a lot of money out there, right? There's still a finite amount in circulation. So if someone's taking in $1.4 trillion in one month, guess what? There are losers all over the place. And this is really where you can argue the banks are being little fuckers and they're trying to look after themselves. Because I wonder how many of them will have witnessed and and had to bear the brunt of huge outflows. And the reality is that a lot of the time, because of the way um, the reporting within these companies work, certainly when you start getting into the investment space and the investment banks, they know where the money's actually going. So if they're seeing, you know, 500 million leave from them or 100 million, 50 million leave from them to go to Binance, I mean, they're looking at this thing and what on earth is going on? And to make it worse, we all know that crypto is not part of the financial system. And, you know, I'm, I wouldn't say that I'm mega, mega bullish on crypto. However, I am coming around to the idea of crypto. I understand what crypto is all about. I understand what it can do. However, I still have to, I still struggle with finding that comfort, that, that, that position with crypto where I can, I can, uh, level out the risk to the financial markets. And what I mean by the risk to the financial markets, or maybe even the financial system being more appropriately quoted, is that Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies are outside the financial system. They're not there to be controlled by governments. They're not there to be controlled by any individual, which is the massive selling point of crypto, right? That's why everybody is so excited about it. That's why everybody's so bought into it. It gives freedom. It gives choice away from this uh, this system that is archaic and just inconsiderate to the general public, right? That's what we that's what we all know. Yeah. However, when you look at the economy and you look at, you know, the real the real issue of governmental policy, monetary policy, cryptocurrencies, they present a huge, huge risk. And when I say risk, and I've said this a couple of times on, on lives on YouTube, when I say risks, I mean risk to the financial system as we know it right now. And when I say risk to the financial system, just so we can narrow down and really drill down and make this absolutely clear, what I'm referring to here is the financial system that allows us to buy our cars, that allows us to take out mortgages, that allows us to take out personal loans, and all of these things that we need and have come accustomed to in order to survive and live the lives that we live in the Western world. Let's, let's not make any mistakes about this. Cryptocurrency is a threat to that system. Now, many people will say, down with the old system. Who needs it? What has it ever done for us? It's doing more than you think. And cryptocurrency is a, is a risk to that. Because, you know, as the current financial system stands, monetary policies can be leveraged, you know, interest rates can be used to counteract inflation as an example here. However, you can't do that with, with crypto. How, how can you use 
interest rates to counteract inflation with crypto. You simply cannot. It's impossible to do so. And therefore, I see where the banks, the FCA, the government, and more governments around the world now pushing for really, really harsh, tight regulation of crypto exchanges, providers, bodies, companies that give you access to crypto. Because let's be honest, that's the only way they are going to be able to regulate it is by tightening the noose on people like Binance, Qcoin, uh, Coinbase Pro, uh, Coinbase just as an entity. That's the only way they're really going to be able to control cryptocurrency by controlling the outlets that you use to access them. And also, let's not make any pick any bones about this or make any mistakes about this. These companies are direct competition to the banks. Direct competition to the banks. They're also direct competition to investment houses. Let's be honest about this. So, you know, when we talk about crypto and we talk about how disruptive it is, I'm telling you, this is really disruptive stuff. Economy disruptive, if you will, because the 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 change that it could bring about in terms of how things will work moving forward are absolutely huge. And I can promise you one thing, governments are not going to let it happen without a fight. They're just not. And that probably brings us around to the question of, you know, crypto and is it worthwhile investing? Yes, of course, it's worthwhile investing. I just think that you have to be mindful and be aware of what it is that you're what you're doing. I think one of the reasons why I am all for, you know, regulation in the crypto space is because it is way too easy for people to be scammed now. I mean, I've spoken about this on the podcast a number of times. How easy is it for people to be scammed? I could literally set up a business tomorrow, create a website tomorrow and start selling, I don't know, crypto trading services with absolutely no company registration, no forms of checks, balances or anything like that. And I could, I could get a lot of people into the scheme and probably walk away with a lot of money. I mean, we've just had, you know, kids in their 20s in South Africa walk out, walk away with $3.6 billion in Bitcoin. It's the largest in the world so far that's been reported. $3.6 billion. These guys are 22 and 23 years old. It's crazy. Where have they gone? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. The guys in Turkey, $2 billion. You know, we're not talking, you know, millions here with an M. We're talking billions with a B. It's like, it's like the gold rush out there. And it feels like the wild, wild west. It is so easy to pick up things. I must get so many, probably three, four a week, people asking me to do videos or to promote their crypto uh, their crypto offering. And I'm just like, no, because at the end of the day, it is way too easy to set up. And I would never want it to uh, recommend something or talk about something either on the podcast or either on YouTube where potentially six months, one year, two years, three years, even 10 years down the line, it might come back and bite me in the, in the bum. I don't want to do that. And therefore, I'm I'm wary about crypto, but I'm also watching with interest with regards to how this is all going to pan out. 
do I hold crypto? Yes, I do. I think for anyone who isn't holding crypto right now, and this may be a very bold, bold statement to make, I think you run the risk of losing if you don't hold it. And it's what it's worthwhile speculating to see if it does come good. And when you start looking at, you know, coins like Bitcoin, Ethereum, obviously those are the big ones there. I personally am not one for meme coins. So Shiba Inu, those kind of stuff. And I was speaking to a friend of mine, Keith, last week. He was saying he's got like 100 million Shiba Inu. <laughs> it's crazy. 100 million coins. And he goes, all I need, all I needed to do is go up to one cent. <laughs> and he's rich. He's like cashing in. He's like retiring. But I was like, okay, but what needs to happen for, for that to go to one cent? I'm like, you're going to need huge volumes, massive volumes to get it to move to one cent, especially with the supply of coins that are out there. I can't remember how many he said, but I know it's in the trillions of coins that are going to be circulated. You need absolutely humongous volume for it to get to a cent. Does that mean that it won't happen? I don't know. Probably not. But will it happen? I equally do not know. And so for me, I'm kind of more, I take the approach that I take with investing. I will invest in something that has a little bit of a track record. So Bitcoin and Ethereum are the ones that have track record. I've got a little bit of Cardona, Cardano, sorry. So maybe I need to branch out a little bit. Maybe need to take a little bit more risk with my crypto, but I'm pretty happy with what I've got right now and how things are going right now. I'm not really looking at the crypto prices or anything like that. I know things are extremely volatile right now. They're, things are trading sideways. And, you know, for many people who are invested in this kind of stuff, who haven't done their homework, this is very, 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 very difficult. I mean, only last week I was talking about, you know, uh, a lady who I had a conversation with who invested her house deposit in crypto. Like these things should not be got entered into lightly. They shouldn't be taken lightly. They need to be um, done with uh, careful consideration and a full understanding of the risks, the pros and the cons. If you're not able to do that, then you should really question whether you're going into cryptos in the first place, particularly if you're trading. I mean, trading cryptos really, I mean, the banks are now in their hedge funds are now in there trading, shorting these these coins and shorts in the market. I mean, you're up against professionals here. This is like an amateur stepping into the ring with Mike Tyson. You're going to get your head knocked off. Like if you don't know what you're doing and that's just facts. So, you know, enter into the trading game when you're entering the ring with the big boys, you better know the rules of the game. You better know how to play the game. You better know how to juck and jive, how to jab slip, uh, you know, and, and protect yourself because if you don't, you're going to get hurt. That's no joke. You are going to get hurt. And I think with everything that's happening and how easy it is to scam people, I can see why the banks will say, oh, we're no longer looking to facilitate payments to Binance or, or, or anything like that because of customer protection. As hypocritical as that is, I can see why they're hiding behind that line. Does that make it right? Absolutely not. It does not. And I'm not backing them. I'm not, you know, trying to justify what they're doing in any way, shape or form. In fact, 
if I had a bank with one of those fuckers, which I don't anymore, I don't have a bank with Barclays, NatWest, and I used to work for NatWest. I haven't got a, a bank account with any of the big banks. I left them years ago. I'm now with a new challenger bank. I'm with Starling. Like everything's online. It's on my phone. It's very, very efficient. I never have any issues whatsoever. Like they're not stopping me from paying into Binance if I wanted to. And I would say, you know, if you are with one of the old traditional banks, consider getting an account elsewhere because who are they to tell you what to do with your money? Who are they to restrict where you can spend your money, where you can send it, so on and so forth. I completely get the whole protecting consumers, but they are not the right people to do that. They cannot be the, the keepers of the house when they're the ones who burnt the house down in the first place. It's an absolute joke to think that they have the moral or the... Uh, I don't even know how to say this. What's the right phrase to use for this? It's, it's, it's not even... It, it, it doesn't compute that they feel that they have the moral fortitude to be able to take this position. It just doesn't. And it makes absolutely no sense to me. And so... Yeah, if you are using one of those banks, I'm sure many people, you don't need to be told, go and look at another bank. There are lots of new challenger banks out there. There's Starling, there's Monzo. There's a, there's a, there's a shed load of them that are doing extremely good work that are way more efficient and better placed on a customer service and tech point of view than one of these old archaic banks that, to be honest, are losing touch with the general public. Certainly the younger generation who listen to this podcast and watch me on YouTube. And look, it's frustrating more than anything else. And I can understand why people are pissed at what's happened over the last week or so. But guys, there you go. Those are just a couple of my thoughts on here. Um, I know that I don't like speaking on these kind of things, but people have been asking me this question and it's like, I feel very, very strongly about this kind of stuff, but my opinion certainly did change after doing a little bit of work with Binance this past week um, and just kind of seeing and hearing what some of their team is all about. They really do feel as though they're changing something and they're doing something to better the world in the long run. And I think that if you are in the field of crypto, you cannot ignore the potential and the, the application of some of these coins and what this technology actually means for the future. I said it before and I'll say it again, but I don't think that we fully understand the full applications of the blockchain and what crypto and that kind of technology can do for us moving forward. I mean, it could revolutionize so many industries. I mean, the music industry, the art industry, you think about, you know, mortgages, for example, you know, it could completely and utterly revolutionize mortgages just by having, you know, mortgages done via smart contracts. Imagine, you know, having the deeds of your house as an NFT that you purchase and you then own the house. Imagine that. Imagine not having to go through conveyancing fees and uh, solicitors and all this kind of stuff. Imagine all of that being done on the blockchain. You buy your house, you buy an NFT, you own the house. Imagine that. Imagine that. So the applications for this are absolutely huge and it's an excited time moving forward. But the banks are in no position to take the more high ground, talk about customer protections when they're the ones who have wreaked havoc and ripped people off and made millions and billions over the last, you know, two, three decades, if not trillions, at the expense of everyday people. I mean, how dare you? It's like me slapping you in the face and telling you what's up. <laughs> you know what I mean? 
It's an absolute joke. But there you go, guys. Let me know what you think of this. If you want to reach out on Instagram, that would be great. If uh, you are finding this interesting as a conversation and you want to come on and talk about crypto, then also let me know. Reach out on Instagram. We'll see what we can uh, organize something. But guys, hope you have an amazing week. I will catch you later on. We're supposed to have really good weather. So between now and Wednesday, Thursday, I think, the weather turns a little bit nasty. Make sure you're making the most of it because guess what? It's British summertime, baby. Catch you later on. Remember, money is a tool. Life is for living. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, be sure to check out other episodes and share with the people closest to you. New to investing? Check out Peter's course for first-time investors designed to give you the foundation you need. If you prefer one-on-one coaching, book a complimentary discovery with the man himself. All links in the show notes.